I knew I wanted a dog. I thought, you cannot get a dog. You don't know where you're going to live in six months. You don't have a job. I tried to get a rescue dog. Obviously, they they wouldn't, and that's yeah. fair enough. And so a friend, this person I was seeing, just gave me the number from Kijiji and said, call it now. Call it now, like your life depends on it. And they were not wrong. Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned podcast a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. So today we have a wonderful guest, Jack Jackson, who is an award-winning Toronto-based dog photographer. His work combines a love of the outdoors with an ability to capture dogs in moments of pure joy. Jack is also the co-founder of a much-publicized social impact photography project, Don't You Want Me?, which celebrates the lives of LGBTQ people and their rescue dogs. Jack has toured Canada with his work, and in addition to his private client work, he is also working towards a documentary and his first book. When Jack isn't photographing dogs or with his beloved dog, Jet, he can be found either at the documentary theater or the gym. First off, Jack, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Sydney. I'm so excited not just to do the podcast, but just to get to connect with you. And, you know, it's been some time since we last chatted. So it's really good to be here. Thank you so much. Now, we first connected through Instagram because both of us are boxer dog lovers. And for those who don't know, my family has a much beloved 10 and a half year old boxer named Rudy who's been with us since he was about nine weeks old. I just had to do the boxer shout out because when I think about your body of work, Jack, it's so many things that I love and value. And so whether it's just from spending time outside and being with your boxer to creating a real social impact for people, let alone your artistry and your absolutely stunning photography, I'm really in awe and reverence of what you are creating as you move forward in all of these different facets of what you do. Oh, thanks, Sydney. Do you know, I just had a shoot this last weekend with a little one-year-old boxer, Hoppy. And honestly, Sydney, I, I thought of you because like, he was just pure love and happiness. Like, that's all he was. And I know I shouldn't have favourites, but oh my <laughs> goodness, you know, it's just how can you be sad when you have that around you? Yes. Anyway, boxes are just, yeah, they're special, special dogs. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, there's so many different directions we could go in the conversation, but I'm wondering if to start out, you could just tell us a little bit about who you are and where you come from. Well, I guess I'm Jack. I'm a trans man. I don't even know if that's important. I don't even think of gender on a on a day-to-day basis, but I guess for the purposes of this podcast, it's relevant i'm from a really small um island in the channel islands and i ended up in toronto about 11 years ago quite by accident but it really was quite a life-changing move for me i love this city so much i could never imagine going back to my old life and i just feel grateful every single day that i get to be here and i get to do to do work that i love Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do in your own words? 
Yes, I'm focused on two things right now. I've just kind of restructured my dog photography business. I spend half of my time with my dog photography business and then half of my time on my photography project, which is, you know, it's LGBTQ people and rescue dogs and how the coming together of these two beings has transformed both of their lives. It just touches on, you know, themes of identity, of family, isolation, loneliness, mm -hmm all that good stuff and so the project I've done a, quite a few shoots in in Toronto but the criteria for the project is you know, it's quite narrow so there's you've got to be LGBTQ you've got to have a rescue dog and then you've got to have this story of transformation so one of the issues I kind of had is that you know I need to be able to travel to other places in order to be able to tell these stories so I Thankfully, I managed to do that last year across Canada, and there's plans to do that again this year. And really, Sydney, this project is my absolute life, and there are so many places that I can travel with it, so many stories. It's not me telling the stories, it's these people telling mm -hmm. their story. I just never want to stop doing it. I can't, unless we get to a place where, you know, trans people and queer people just don't face the issues that they face I'm going to continue doing this project can you talk a little bit about some of those issues for anyone who's maybe just beginning to understand what some of those barriers might be so you know I'm really fortunate in that I I don't even think about gender on a day-to-day -day basis and I was just chatting to one of my friends and you know a trans masculine guy and he was saying you know life is much easier for him now now that we kind of fit in before I very much didn't but also I have a huge amount of privilege in that I'm white I'm trans masculine but there was a time in my life where I went through it was the worst year of my life it was absolutely horrific and that kind of was where the project was was born from you know when any progress is being made it kind of swings back and forth, even though it might slowly overall move in one direction. But, you know, trans women are just getting just attacks from the media. It feels like almost daily. And so some of the issues that trans people face are issues with housing, healthcare, police. You know, there's a lot of mental health issues within the queer and trans community. And I actually don't like seeing it as a mental health issue I like seeing it as a discrimination issue they face mm -hmm. discrimination and that causes issues in their life poverty especially the more that you're marginalized is a huge huge issue you know I feel so safe here but I'm in Toronto and I purposely moved to be in a safe place which caused me well, for, it cost me a huge amount of money. It removed me from family, from my safety net, from my secure job and income, all of those supports, you know, and this is actually what happens certainly to a lot of trans people. I almost feel like a cliche because it happened to me, you know, shit went wrong and I ended up in a, in a really awful, awful situation. And in any way, you know, it's kind of good because it just drives me. It drives me. I understand, like I'm I'm gonna be 50 this year and 
you know, which I can't even believe, but go on. on yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm starting to feel it, you know, and I, I did actually have the support of my dad. I didn't know if I would have, but, and, you know, I was too scared to tell him I was transitioning, blah, blah, blah. But I, I had the support of him. So I had the support of my dad and, you know, years of life experience. And I didn't nearly make it on really quite a few occasions, you know. So if it's that hard for someone who is white, able-bodied, transmasculine, has a support of their dad, you can see why it is far more difficult for for other people. And that's why we have the attempted suicide rate of, I think it's about 43% yeah. of, of trans people. And that's, you know, that is what drives me to do this work. And I feel fortunate that I'm able to do it. And I just love, I love doing what I do. And I, you know, it's taken me so long to be in that position that I'm making up for lost time and I'm a bit relentless. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure it's not easy to talk about some of those difficulties, especially when it's so personal, right? And so immediate and also the experience of so many people. One thing I've been wondering about is how did you sort of birth this idea for the project? Where did this come from? So I got into photography later in life and, and quite by accident. And someone reached out to me and said, well, I want to write a blog about you. And then at the end, they said, have you ever thought about doing a book? And, you know, I was just starting out. This was what, maybe six years ago. I don't know. I could be wrong. And I just thought, oh, my God, like, I, I'm not good enough for that. I just couldn't get the, I couldn't get that question out of my mind. And I became friends with this woman who ended up becoming my project partner. And she had worked in dog rescue and was also a portrait photographer. That's quite a crucial point. And, you know, we just got talking together and we decided to just combine what we knew. So, you know, I, I knew the queer and the trans community and dogs and she knew rescue dogs and portrait photography. Mm. I was terrified of taking pictures of people at first, Sydney. When you do anything new, it's terrifying. But that's how it started. And I guess it was just, it's at the right time, you know. We need these, you know, I, I think actually even since then, so even since we got the first publicity, which was maybe, I, I don't know, 2019, maybe. That's how it started and got super lucky almost with the pandemic in that I was dog walking at the time. So I was doing dog walking and, and dog photography on a part-time basis, but I couldn't dog walk. So I just spent the whole time on the project and I'd worked on the support grant where we helped. It was a trans woman refugee. Um, we matched her with a rescue dog partnered with wow. different agencies in Toronto and covered all of those costs for a three-year period and that got into the news I guess it was just the right time and then Pet Value reached out to me in was it May 2021 yes 21 and things escalated really quickly and we ended up taking my body of work the exhibit across Canada and so 
I guess it, it just the right time. That was not your question. Your question was, how did it get started? It got started and no, then it but, escalated. But actually, I want to pick up on where you are because you keep saying it was just the right time. I know we haven't really touched on it yet, but I'm curious if you would just say a little bit about whether you had any feeling about the project, like from a kind of inner knowing. Did I know? I just knew that I wanted to do something, Sydney. You know, mm -hmm. I, I knew that if things had been that hard for me at my age with some of the benefits and advantages that other people don't have, I, I just knew that I, I had to do something. And I wanted to, you know, like like you said before, if you don't know a trans person, that's when the fear or the other otherness might creep in mm -hmm. um and I, I also wanted just to highlight how like trans people are bloody brilliant and I'm saying trans you know lgbtq they, they're brilliant they're awesome and I want the world to see that they have so much to give so much to offer and in advancing rights for everyone particularly mm -hmm. for women but for men also, we're not so stuck in these rigid binaries that really only help a few men. Yeah, a few yeah. cis, straight, white guys that are probably much older. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe not, sorry. Now no, I'm projecting my... <laughs> you're, you're right. It's testament that trans women even transition because... Oh, how, how can I explain this? I might be going slightly off topic, I think, Sydney, but I, I just knew... You talk about knowing. I just knew that it was hell for me for a year. And I knew that I wasn't the only one. And I just wanted to, to tell those stories. Uh, I wanted to highlight how discrimination affects people. And I wanted to put these stories against, you know, the rescue dog thing. It was so perfect. I don't know why I'm even yes. laughing. It's so perfect because, you know, there's me ending up in a city with no home, no family, no job. I was absolutely paralyzed by fear, yeah. paralyzed. And then you have a dog that has also no home, no family, and is fearful. And when you put these two together and then they have a family, they have someone to look after, they have a reason, they have that security. It's just amazing what happens. And I wanted to just show people in a way that wasn't preachy, in a way yeah. that wasn't you're not trying uh, to shame people yeah for not, not understanding yeah and you know one of the things that we didn't realize with the project when we did the first exhibit was that people didn't know like they knew it was lgbtq i guess if they read mm -hmm. if they read the intro but they might have just thought that was a, a gay guy when in fact it was a trans guy and he right. was straight. Did you feel like you needed to make it more explicit? Or did that make you realize that the audience for this particular project could receive it in so many different ways? We decided, and I think this was the right decision, Sydney. We decided to, under their names and the dog's name, we just had an identity and they could put whatever they want. But, you know, I think it's so important that we did that because I think it just humanizes them a bit more right so one thing that I'm just thinking about is that in each of the conversations that I've had with our guests you know everyone's had a different journey 
And what I'm really interested in at the end of the day is the journey of transformation. And I think that's something that you don't just embody in your own personal story, but also in your body of work, in this impact that you're creating through the project and sharing these beautiful people and their dogs and their stories and their identities in self and life affirming ways for them. When I think about intuition, I often think about this thing that I saw on TV where they said, you know, a lion can be walking and smell a zebra who was there 30 minutes ago. And for us humans, we would say, and probably there's something for dogs similar, right? But that we as humans would say, oh my gosh, that's magical. Like if I showed up to you and said, look, I can smell the air and tell you exactly what happened here 30 minutes ago, we would say that it was some sort of non-physical magic that we can know that. But really those animals are just tapping in with their senses. They're being super present. They're understanding what is needed for their own well-being or their survival. And so to me, intuition isn't just spirituality. To me, there's also so much clarity that just comes from presence and from awareness. And I feel like in hearing you describe your own journey, and then also in, in bearing witness to the magic that you've created with the Don't You Want Me project, it seems like you're someone who is just so in tune with your truth and the impact that you want to create. There's just no questioning that you will do that. I want to do a lot more, Sydney. I really do. But just going back to the intuition, so I don't know if for me I would call it intuition, but before I moved to Toronto, I had a reasonably comfortable job, a house. I had benefits. I had, you know, over there we have five weeks holiday a year. I actually only worked four and a half days. I had Thursday afternoons off. Life was very easy. I felt absolutely suffocated and I was living as a woman but I I'd felt suffocated for so long there I mean just forever really <laughs> that's mm -hmm. really bad that's I've, not bad because you're being honest like this was how you felt forever yeah. and I did but there were many advantages of you know, when life is financially easy and, it, and it, it was there. So then it made it difficult to leave. I was also painfully shy and awkward, which so many transmasculine people are. But yeah, I just, you know. How did you do it? Because that's, I mean, to me, that's such a huge question because people could live forever feeling like they are not able to fully express themselves. It was everything about living in a small island, doing a job that I was not passionate about. In fact, I wouldn't have even done that job. And don't get me wrong, I found great friendships, you know, in working in that environment. And to a certain extent, I miss that in how I work now. The impetus to leave was I came out of a relationship, sold the house, had some money so didn't need to work for about a year so I just decided to go off traveling and I was questioning gender which I had so much shame about there oh mm. my god I was so embarrassed and so ashamed and so I just decided I would go traveling by myself to like the queerest places I could find I wanted to go to San Francisco to Berlin so 
that's what I did. And I didn't get very far before I met someone and then ended up in Toronto. And it's not been easy at mm-hmm. all. But I've, I've never been happier than I am now. But the only difficulty is I'm self-employed and things fluctuate and I don't have the benefits that I did before. So that is one of the only challenges, which I think you're always going to have, certainly in the early days of having your own business. But that, that's how I ended up here, having the guts to transition. And I, I just, I've never been happier, you know, and I, I know it's not easy to do work that you love, but it's so important. You know, I spent so long not doing something that I am so passionate about. I wish I'd done it earlier. I wish I'd had the guts. Was there anything that happened along the way that made you feel like you knew that you should keep going? The thing that kept me going on so many occasions was that I never, ever want to go back to that life ever you know and this is not because you know I I miss my dad dearly and I wish I could be there more often mm-hmm, you yeah. know it's a very beautiful island but it's small they've only just I shouldn't slag it off too much <laughs> they've, they've only just brought in discrimination laws I'm not kidding you you think it was last year because oh discrimination did not happen in Guernsey I guess if you're like, you know, white, straight, you fit in to the mainstream, you like sports, it's a great place to live. It's beautiful, you know, Mm -hmm. but if you're a little bit different and I was different and shy, I think if you're maybe different and confident, it could be okay, but I just couldn't do what I would want to do there. And, you know, I would be seen as weird because I'm like single. Like I'm bloody married to my work. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, they would just think I was just weird. But here there's loads of people who are single or, you know, or it's not even a question. It's not even something you would ask someone. Whereas over there, yeah. you know, you have your job, you have your family. Uh, then it's into that whole very traditional mindset, right? Of yeah and do you have a partner a... and will you have kids and like yeah. off it goes by the way when did jet come into your life jet oh my god so jet is the thing that changed everything she changed yes. everything so i was just kind of casually seeing someone at this point i didn't have any real income i tried to set up this business but i just couldn't carry on with it there's a lot of risk involved in a business so i didn't know how i was going to stay in toronto i was paralyzed by fear time was running out I knew I couldn't go back I couldn't I was midway through transition yes Uh, anyway I knew I wanted a dog I thought you cannot get a dog you don't know where you're going to live in six months you don't have a job I tried to get a rescue dog obviously they they wouldn't and that's fair enough and so a friend this person I was seeing just gave me the number from Kijiji and said call it now call it now like your life depends on it and they were not wrong do you know what I mean I absolutely do she changed everything everything Sydney everything and you know because I ended up in a very terrible situation um, I did have an emergency support network around me like a psychiatrist a support worker you know 
had a group of about five people working with me, mm-hmm. which I do feel grateful for. I do. But that wasn't the thing that kept me alive. And the thing that changed was getting Jet. She's just the love of my life. Can you talk about all the magic that happened when Jet was in your life and how things progressed? I guess it's kind of twofold. So I always had dogs. Yeah. But then, you know, I guess a part of me knew that I had someone to look after. I had to keep going for her. And also because I never, ever wanted to go back to the life that I had been in. There was connections, those kind of casual connections were made. You know, exercise is so important for my mental health and I could go out running with her. It it was the impetus to start dog walking company, which kept me going for a couple of years. It sounds dreadful if I say, you know, it just gave me responsibility. I mean, of course I would want to be responsible, of course. But before I, I was just so lost and alone and mm-hmm. and terrified when she was there. I guess it just stops you thinking about you and it makes you I needed to think about me I needed to think how am I going to get out of this situation that I'm in but you know I got breaks from that with her you know with having to look after her with not wanting to be hung over with not wanting to leave her so I don't know she just she just changed absolutely everything absolutely everything I, th- I don't know if um, if you feel the same way, <clears throat> Sydney, but there's just something for me about boxers and pit bulls. And I just, you know, as soon as this poppy walked in at the weekend for this shoot, I was so happy. And I am an optimistic person. I am. I, I do have like, I don't know if it's nervous energy or nervous excitement or... I do have all of that. And so that when I see this dog, just just so happy to be alive, you know, and I feel that too. Like, yes, I, you know, we're similar. We're similar. Like we have so much energy. I have probably a bit more nervous or excitable energy and just go, 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 go. And then collapse, you know, and they're just clowns. She just makes me laugh. Like she makes me laugh. And I don't know, I guess I needed a little little brightness in my life definitely well and I think to come back to the don't you want me project it really weaves all of the strands of your both your talents and your gifts but also your story and the impact that you're making in the world and you know for some I think obviously the focus on LGBTQ individuals and families is a spotlight that's storytelling story that maybe not everybody is aware of and then the other piece of it which is the the magic too is well actually the dogs are bringing this whole other dimension and to showcase it through your photography which if for anyone who hasn't seen Jack's photography we'll put his website in the show notes and it's just absolutely stunning and if you don't have a dog And you wonder, well, how do people connect with them? I think you look at your photographs and you just see all the joy and all the silliness in the moment. And anyway, I digress. But yeah, I just think it feels appropriate to me that we're talking about the way in which having a dog in your life is just completely transformative and heart melting and 
taps us into all the things that can be really good for us. And then that that is also a critical strand of what you're creating in your social impact work and in your your artistic body of work. Like to me, that is just brilliant. And it makes sense with the whole picture of everything that you're doing. Thanks, Sydney. I just feel like I've talked a lot about myself and for every single person that's taken part in this project has been like... First of all, they've trusted me. They get to write. I ask them a series of questions. I write up their narrative. They approve. So it's mm-hmm. their voice. It forms a cohesive series. But just, yes. you know, these different voices as well coming into the project, bringing, you know, the Indigenous voice with trans women in the project, you know, who have it so much harder than than I did we've got younger people and disability age all sorts of things coming in there's that and then the other thing that I wanted to touch on and and was really crucial in me wanting to do the support grant where we match a vulnerable LGBTQ person with a rescue dog and pay for those costs is that I knew that a dog would help me I knew I knew Mm -hmm. I mean it doesn't suit everyone, but if you're a dog person, you can see how this would help people. And I was lucky. I think I had a bit of money left in the bank, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so I could afford to buy her. Yeah. But there's so many people who couldn't afford it from a money point of view, but it is something, you know, down the line that I want to continue because I think it's a more valuable and sustainable solution, cheaper solution than traditional methods that we have of helping people, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm... Yeah, the social return on the investment to pair yeah. somebody with the rescue dog yeah, would be yeah. much, much greater than all of these sort of systems-based interventions that we have, which in yeah, some just... ways, thank goodness for those things. But also, I think we've talked about this offline, like loneliness is a big piece of all of it right to be able to share your life with another creature in that way to be able to have that relationship can just transform so much and that's where the infinite potential is because nobody knows how far that will go but that's the piece that I think can be so life-changing yeah yeah I mean it was Jet that connected me to you know, people in the neighborhood started the business, which led to the project. Who knew when that person said, well, call this number now? Who knew? But you knew you had to do it. I knew I had to do it. And honestly, doing the tour across Canada last year, whilst it was one of the hardest things I've done, it was it was one of the best. And I'm going to keep doing it. What would be your vision five years from now in terms of what you've been creating with the Don't You Want Me project? I want to just keep doing this in different countries and hopefully at least one book out and a documentary. So we're talking about doing a documentary series so that can follow, you know, it could be Canada. I would like to do the UK. I would like to do Europe, mm-hmm. the States. Like there's there's so much potential. There's so much I've just got to keep going long enough, Sydney. But you could even visit people 
see how they're doing. So for the last tour, we were in, first of all, we're in Canada. Like, I feel so safe for the most part. Very, very safe. Where did, you, where did you go in Canada? Vancouver, Winnipeg, Halifax, Calgary. I'd like to go north or to go to more rural areas. We're just on Canada but I would like to take this to different countries and do the tours, get the stories, get the images, but then also start incorporating film. I really would like to get into film at some point also myself mm -hmm. uh, as a cinematographer. So, yeah, I just don't ever want to run out of energy. I can't see that I will. I, my body will give way before anything else does. But you know what? No matter how long you feel that you have the physical energy for it, because this is your mission to do this, I just feel your vision is so clear. You're just going to keep doing it. And then eventually you'll assemble a team who can help do the parts that that would make sense for you to be delegating. And I think it will have great longevity and just continue. This will get in front of people who care about these same impacts that you're focusing on and want to support the work and see it happen. And then it's just a question of how. And I think you have this magnetism that draws people and dogs into that channel that you're just beaming into with your lens. Like, I really feel that for you. And even just, you know, on, on the last tour last year, you know, it's the first time I've done something like that. And I learned a huge amount, you know, so I'm pitching to different companies and in talks with different companies because, yeah, well, I never want to stop doing this. So. It's going to keep going. It has to keep yeah. going. Yeah. Just as a final thought, can you talk a little bit about the ripple effect that you see in terms of the individual and community impact that will come from that? I guess it just, you know... It boils down to when you see reflections of yourself, you, you see that things are possible. You know, back when I transitioned, it's like 11 years ago or so now, there were people just starting to come out. There was a little bit of visibility. They just want people to see a future for themselves, a successful future, you know. I think what these people are sharing, you know, being vulnerable, it really just inspires other people to be themselves, to continue on a journey or not, or just to explore these things. I think as much as we're having this backlash with the media and with politicians over, particularly over gender stuff, these conversations are going to happen. And I hope it moves us away, as I was saying earlier, from these really outdated notions of what it means to be a man or a woman and that we can have you know we can have more masculine women or not even just masculine just people that women that just don't fit the typical you know narrative of what it means to be a woman or a man and these trans voices I think honestly you know like now Sydney I'm treated differently as a man when I'm perceived and I know that trans women know this is how this is how much trans women need to transition. They know of all the privilege that they will lose when they become a woman. Life is so much harder as a woman. And I can tell you that firsthand because I've been a woman mm -hmm. and trans women 
can tell you that, you know, but they still do it because that is who they are. Right. You know, I just walk through this world now where life is a lot easier for me than it, it really ever was. That's so interesting. So just to answer to answer your question, you know, I just think these voices, as much as politicians might want to use trans issues to their own like advantage and media want to get clicks or or whatever or whatever it is i just think that these these voices will help just get us away from these really outdated notions of gender that really only serve a small minority of the population plus who doesn't want to see cute dogs <laughs> 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 that's great oh my gosh but it is isn't it like that's the whole thing of the project when you just see these pictures of like either really cute couples or really hot men or really stunning women or really interesting characters you know and a cute dog like you're drawn in you know and that's Absolutely. that's why we started it oh my god Sydney I'm getting really excited just quickly this was always about reaching a mainstream audience always yes. because you know we lgbtq people you know we can see what's going on but it's sometimes other people that can't and i think you know the more that we can all help each other understand each other connect with each other see our differences and celebrate them hopefully the better the world will be i couldn't agree more What I also love about your story is I think we all struggle with loneliness in our lives in different ways. We all struggle with hard times and not knowing how we're going to get through it. Hearing your story and your passions and what gives you life and how you've so creatively channeled that into a form of advocacy through love and through art. I think that should inspire everyone. Sydney, I, I think that is the main takeaway from this, actually, you know, that it doesn't need to be about transition. It doesn't need to be about sexuality at all. All of the things that come through in the project, which is, you know, loneliness, isolation, addiction, family, sense of home, sense of belonging. These are things that affect everyone. And I think even particularly now, particularly younger people are really quite isolated. So, yeah, the project is wanting to reach a mainstream. And sure, there's, you know, issues of gender and sexuality, but it's all about resilience and belief that you're not alone in feeling the way that you do or it's nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah. I love that. This was an amazing conversation, Jack. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope I haven't bored you senseless. You have not bored <laughs> me for a minute. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content and having online discussions with the Intuitively Aligned podcast community. 
You can also find me in the Third Eye Library on Mighty Networks through Instagram at Sydney Rebeck. Yes, that's Sydney Rebeck without an A on the end. Or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.